I started building it with the PureCoin code base um, from 2012, actually, because I wanted to get as close to Satoshi as possible. Um, some of his original code. If you actually look on our GitHub repository, I actually have Bitcoin version 1.0 um, actually hosted on there just as a little homage to Satoshi so people can see like where Bitcoin came from, what Satoshi was thinking. So like as a programmer, I, I learned to program myself, I guess, just by reading other people's code. So, you know, back in 2013, there was no tutorial to say, oh, how do you build a cryptocurrency, right? Because um, anybody that really knew anything wasn't going to share anything at all. So I just started reading the code and started tweaking it and then making uh, some new you know innovations in it so i think coinshield launched with like 10 or 15 new different features you know such as like clock synchronization protocols multiple mining channels you know where you have three channels to prevent 51 percent attacks um, from one you know channel being the monopoly um and then the trust system which is like a trust-based proof of stake and so on and so forth so um, that's that's the timeline up to about 2017 um and then over 2016 um, I started developing an architecture, um, which eventually became the 3DC, um, which is kind of our scaling solution to solve the blockchain trilemma. And <clears throat> in that same timing too, I had met Dino Farinacci, and uh, he was an old internet pioneer that's working on the locator identity separation protocol. And me and him just started chatting, and that's when I learned about the OSI, which stands for Inter Open Systems Interconnection, which is essentially the stack that the internet runs on. It's a seven-layer software stack. And that kind of like wove together into the development of the Tritium protocol, um, which became, you know, a seven layer software stack. And then, you know, the Tau framework, which is basically unlocking this 3DC, um, but providing an upgrade path too, because one of our original intentions and what we've always said, you know, back in the day is we're like, Bitcoin's king, man. Like we're not, we're not the type of hype people that are just, oh, we're going to take over Bitcoin. We're going to be better than Bitcoin. Cause like, I mean, respect your roots, right? And that's how we kind of always have been. So we designed a lot of our technology to also be backwards compatible with existing legacy blockchains and also provide them an upgrade path if they so chose, right? So Tritium was the first one that we did as a live network upgrade um, that activated smart contracts and our seven layer software stack, um, which you know essentially provides developers the ability to develop decentralized applications, but without needing such complex languages such as Ethereum, Solidity and stuff like that. Um, and so that kind of has led us to now, where now we're working on the Amin, um, Tritium++ and Obsidian protocols, which um, are going to be individual hard forks, therefore, um, that will also, like I said, provide an upgrade path. So if any other legacy blockchain says, okay, well, you know, this legacy blockchain isn't scaling, right? Um, you know, we can actually provide that infrastructure to do it, but we're kind of doing it as the test bed first, is we're, we're paving out, because Bitcoin, I mean, they, they're a victim of their own success in this in the sense that I mean, there's billions and billions and billions of dollars that rely on the infrastructure so they can't really they're not as free to innovate as we are right because there's so much at stake if they make any mistakes like you no know, we're kind of proving this technology as well as you know developing it that hopefully can you know provide value to other blockchains in the future because i kind of believe the block size debate um you know there's big blockers and small blockers and you know that was like where i started really developing that scaling protocol in 2016 I mean, I think both sides are right. I mean, for, you know, the big blockers are right that like, yeah, I mean, blocks should be bigger than one megabyte, but small blockers are right where, you know, you can't indefinitely scale the block size, you know, like Bitcoin SV is doing. It just doesn't work. I mean, you have cryptographic limitations in bottlenecks too. Like, you know, you have to verify everyone's signatures in the block, right? So if you have bigger and bigger and bigger blocks, that takes a lot of computing cycles to actually verify the ECDSA. So <clears throat> we've kind of broken and developed this protocol that's kind of like in between the two because... The small blockers are going for, you know, layer two solutions, you know, Lightning Network. And there's there's a lot of debate whether that's going to truly be decentralized. From what I've seen, I 
economically, I just don't see it working as being truly decentralized. But it does work for a scaling solution, which, you know, comes into the blockchain trilemma that Vitalik, you know, said, you know, you can't have decentralization, scalability and security. You can only have two of three, right? Um, so a lot of times, you know, these people will sacrifice decentralization for scaling. EOS is a good example. Um, Ethereum, they, they say that they have decentralization above scalability, which is why they're slow. But I believe that there's a way to solve this. And based on our architecture, it's been showing pretty significant results, even with the Tritium protocol. I mean, we're processing uh, pretty pretty large amounts of contracts per second. I mean, the fastest I saw was 41,000. Um, and the slowest is, you know, 1,000, 2,000 um, contracts per second. And that's processing time, though. That means, like, from the time you receive the block till you process the block entirely, right? Because, I mean... Even if you have a large block that's like two gigabytes, if this block takes 10 minutes to process, uh, you know, it won't work, right? And that's the problem with big blocks is, you know, Bitcoin SV is going to get to a point where if you can't continue to process all of this, you know, cryptography in these blocks and it takes longer than the block's time span, then it's just, it's not going to work. There's that upper limit at that point, right? So we've kind of, I guess, been developing things that, that can hopefully solve that. The Bitcoin architecture was based on like B-Money and Hashcash, right? I mean. Satoshi kind of developed the architecture, but it was really kind of just the combination of a lot of cypherpunk dreams that was finally implemented into something. It was a proof of concept, you know, I mean, it was released as 0.1, the zero showing that it's actually an alpha version. Um, zero is before you actually release it. But if you notice, the Bitcoin devs haven't actually released it into a full version yet. Still 0.18, yeah, it's because it was never actually officially 1.0. It's still in development version because it's still in development, right? I'll just say when it comes to consensus mechanisms, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, proof of stake's the way, and a lot of people saying, oh, no, proof of work's the way. You know what I mean? Uh, again, I'll say, like, down the middle of the road, like, they're both right. They're both great protocols, but by themselves, they're not as secure as they are together, right? So we kind of form a hybrid-type proof-of-work, proof-of-stake system um, because they check and balance each other. And that's kind of part of the, the principles of the three-dimensional chain is we creating checking and balancing consensus mechanism. So, I mean, if you imagine three different locking layers, the L1 layer is a reputation-based Byzantine fault tolerance. Um, so that's kind of like what Cosmos uses or a lot of those other, you know, like PDFT, you know, nodes. And then the second layer is your proof-of-stake or your L2 layer that uses stake and trust. So we use trust or reputation as one component of the weight or validity of the data. Um, so that it's not just your instantaneous work and resources you contributed, but it's also your track record of your long-time contributions, right? So when you show your long-term contributions over a period of time, then it helps um, prevent civil attacks. Um, it makes it a lot more difficult to civil attack because you'd have to contribute a lot of time. So then the third layer is the uh, L3 or the mining layer, where they're essentially, instead of it being one hash rules all, it's kind of a share-based decentralized mining pool, um, but they're going to submit it back into the L2. So what happens is the L1s are going to be mainly doing ledger level verification and they're going to pass the contracts to the L2 along with their proofs and the Merkle proofs. The L2 is going to be processing some of these contracts and also verifying some of that data um, to a certain extent because you have aggregation and that's how you get some of the scalability is the L2 doesn't have to process as much data as the L1, right? The L1 produces the proofs that the L2 can use to verify that, right? So that they don't, they can only have to deal with a small proof rather than the entire data set. It's like reducing an entire data set or an entire equation, like writing the equation and solving it and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, just here's the answer. And then here's the path to the answer. That's a very short path instead of the entire, you know, data set that's required. Right now, Bitcoin and everything has the entire data set. And then the other thing is the entire data set is replicated across every node, which is why right. it grows infinitum, right? Now that provides us layers of security. 
which is why other people are looking at sharding, but you have a sharding issue where, okay, if your shards themselves exist, if they're each processing, but this shard needs something from this shard, right? Then you're gonna have to have cross-shard communication. And if the cross-shard communication is on the same layer, you're gonna still be dealing with large data sets across and you're gonna lose your scalability, right? Because you're getting scalability because this shard only has to process within this smaller subset of the entire data set, right? So with how we do it with sharding through aggregation is you have your shard, but if this shard needs something from this shard, that's actually processed on the L2 layer through the aggregated proofs. So the L2 can actually resolve that. And if let's say this shard has two chains in it, you know, and they're competing against each other because you have someone attacking the network, the L2 checks and balances the L1 by essentially verifying that and choosing what's the correct chain, right? And then the L3 sends the final seal of approval down into the L2 layer. And so that releases the final thing. So I guess instead of in a Bitcoin block, it's kind of like you send the transactions out, they go to the mempool, the miner collects those transactions into the block, and then they solve the proof of work and broadcast the block. Um, with a 3DC, it's kind of like having parallel lanes of traffic that are all doing their processing. And then they push the processing to the next layer, which, you know, over longer time increments would be processing that, verifying their data, and then finally waiting for the final block approval. So it's kind of like building this block in real time, you know, building the L1s, and then the L2s, and then the L3, and then it wraps up into a final three-dimensional block after one minute of time, uh, which includes, you know, proofs of any specific part of that. So it's kind of like a larger structure, but it's chaining in multiple dimensions. Like a blockchain is only chained one block to the next block to the next block to the next block. But in this, your shards are chained together horizontally. And then those horizontal chains are then chained again through the L2 and then they're chained forward. And then the L2 is then chained again through that entire block through the L3 that then pushes down, gets you your final root hash, which then like a blockchain is chained. So the three dimensional blocks are chained together like this, right? So it still allows like the blockchain type reorganization if you have that, but the three-dimensional block that is the most valid is the one that contains the highest amount of weight and the highest amount of trust. So if I were to attack it, I couldn't just have 51% of the mining power to try to create my own transaction history. I would have to attack all of the shards, I'd have to attack all of the L2 layer, and I would have to attack all of the L3 because with Bitcoin, one hash wins, which means mm -hmm. all that work that's been done by all the other miners is wasted. So when you can capture all of that by allowing them to just search for a share that has the highest weight and then they submit that share at the end, yeah, you'll have to process a few thousand shares most likely. But <clears throat> what ends up happening is you get a higher collective weight of that block, which means even with 51% of the mining power, I still wouldn't be able to control that because the miners actually have no control of the transaction history. They'd have to go down to the L1 layer to try to manipulate that. And then they'd have to obviously control the L2 layer to manipulate the L1 shards, right? To make things in their own favor and then have all the mining power again. So to make a three-dimensional block that contains more trust and reputation um, is going to be extremely difficult for anybody to be able to pull off. And that's part of where we get the security, but we get decentralization and scalability at the same time because you get scalability from having your shards, right? On the L1, then you get more scalability through the aggregation then you get security through the collective trust and weight and all of them. And you get the decentralization through, you know, decentralized mining and multiple shards so that you don't have to rely on just some central validator node to be generating these blocks to you know, consider it valid.